0: Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas.
1: Welcome to today's show. Today we have an amazing man of God, uh, Pastor Chris Gray from At The Cross Oceanside. And uh, without further ado... We're going to go right into this interview, but I want you guys to stick around for the latter part of the radio show. Of course, you know it's the best part, and today we're going to be out of Jeremiah 3 and discuss the Bride of Christ. You're like, in the Old Testament? It'll be interesting. Hang on. But Pastor Chris, thank you for being on the show today, and uh, if you wouldn't mind telling our audience a little bit about you before we get started with our Q&A.
2: All right. Hey, how's everybody doing? I'm Pastor Chris Gray from At The Cross, and I have been at At The Cross now since 2015, but I became an ordained pastor there in January of 2021. Um, I have three children, along with my wife, Andrea, and we live in San Marcos and um, enjoy life, living life and advancing God's kingdom.
1: Amen. Praise the Lord. So now we can go right into our Q&A. Um, so tell me, what does your wife do?
2: She's a certified nurse's assistant. She works with the elderly uh, down in Rancho Bernardo. And it's an important thing to do because a lot of society puts our elderly people off to the side. They Once they aren't quote-unquote good in society or can't do anything, then they just want to stick them somewhere. And they're in most in their lives, you know, very lonely. And so what my wife does is helps them uh, with, <clears throat> excuse me, helps them with end-of-life things and, and rehab. If they have injuries, she'll rehab them. And sometimes people get to go home, and that's also a blessing. But she always brightens their day, and, you know, it's very much a blessing that she's, doing that for our elderly people.
1: Amen. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about uh, your role uh, as pastor at at the cross and what you do there.
2: So what I do, (laughs) I do a myriad of things. uh, But what I do mostly is on Wednesday nights, I do the first and second Wednesdays. I do the teachings for the midweek service. On Sundays, I do part of the sound ministry, and sometimes I even end up on the worship team on the stage singing with the worship team, and sometimes rapping as well. And then on Monday nights, I also help with our Celebrate Recovery ministry, which is a very important ministry because those are the individuals who need Christ the most because they're overcoming addictions of some sort. And it's not just drugs or alcohol. It's anything. It could be porn. It could be a domestic violence relationship. It could have been something that something that they've overcome that is negative that Jesus has helped them overcome. And those people, they don't just need Jesus. They want Jesus, and that's very important. And so I do a lot of different things, like I said, here at the church, and and I'm very blessed to have the tools to do, that, do those things.
1: Amen. That's pretty awesome. So, Tell me a little bit more about Celebrate Recovery and um how it functions and and how people hear about this program and and what they do when they get there. So
2: Celebrate Recovery like I said it's a Christian-based recovery program. It's it's similar to AA but it's Christian-based. So People usually hear about us through word of mouth or they actually, if they're involved in a group home or you know, or people who have been in the jails. We've had people go into the jails and speak about Celebrate Recovery and then they've heard of it and then they say, oh, you know, we should find a Celebrate Recovery and then we have one available here at Oceanside. And people just walk in and when they walk in, we greet them, there's no judgment. And that's one thing that's very important to note is that A lot of people don't want to talk about their hang-ups and their issues because they feel like they're being judged. Well, here in our program, Celebrate Recovery, there is no judgment. And if you think that you're messed up, I could probably show you somebody else that's just as messed up. We've all been messed up at some point. You know, everybody's been messed up at some point. But the one thing that's good about Celebrate Recovery is the people who are Further in the long of their recovery, it shows the people who are just starting. Hey, you can get here. You can get there. There's somebody who's done this, and you can get here. And when they come, they they go through steps. There's several steps. There's there's several steps that they go through. Things like admit, admitting, and taking inventory, and denial, and confess. And there's many steps. And once you complete those steps you're a much better person. But not only are you a much better person in yourself, but you're a much better person in Christ because you know that he helped you get to where you are.
1: Amen. Does it involve, like, steps that they have to go through to get to a certain place, or is it just you just sit in there and you listen to a message, or is there steps that they practice and they go through? Because as uh, I believe you know, AA is... Uh, a step-based program. Is this anything like that?
2: Yes, there are steps. There are steps that you go through, and and some of the steps are harder harder than others. Like I was mentioning earlier, inventory. We just actually finished talking about inventory, and that's always one of the harder steps because that's one of the steps where you have to basically say, here's my part in it there are things that somebody can do to you in your life and they can cause you negativity. But then again, sometimes there are things that you did and decisions that you made that caused you to fall into that pit. You know, one of the things that I always mentioned is when I was arrested for a crime I didn't commit and I was in jail for 15 months until I was finally exonerated, you know, maybe somebody put an allegation on me that wasn't true, and it led me to go to jail. But there were also decisions that I made to put myself into that position. And the future that's been affected because of those decisions and mistakes that I may have made. Now, thank the Lord that what things were, excuse me, the things that were taken for evil that were trying to be evil towards me have now turned into good because like I said I have a good ministry I have a wonderful wife and God has really blessed me way more than I was blessed beforehand amen but that's amen. one of the harder steps is the inventory and the and the admitting and when you admit that you were wrong about something and the making amends that's another step when you have to go to the person that you offended and you have to make amends, and it doesn't always happen where that person says, "Okay, I forgive you." Amen. Because some people, some people don't want to forgive, and that's unfortunate. Because you know, Jesus said we have to forgive each other, and so it, it's it's very challenging. But like anything worth doing, if it's it, you know you if it's working hard at overcoming your addiction, it's worth doing the hard things to live a better life.
1: Amen. Amen. Well said. So is there anything in in that program that stands out to you personally? Personally,
2: my favorite part of the program is when they get the chips. We give out chips for The first year, every 30 days that you have overcome your addiction, you haven't gone back into your addiction, and I can't specifically say, oh, you didn't drink for 30 days, or you didn't do drugs for 30 days. Whatever whatever it is, 30, 60, 90, four months, all the way up to a year. And then if you make it a year, we actually give you a cake and we sing happy birthday. Amen. You know, because you're reborn. You're reborn with this new life. Free of those strongholds that you had, and that's always wonderful to watch. We have a a gentleman that has been coming to CR for two years, maybe longer than that, and he had never taken a chip, and I never understood why, but then when we had our, we, we actually break off into groups at the end of our message. We break off into a men's group and a women's group, and the man admitted that he had never gone 30 days. He wow. just had been sitting there trying to stay sober. His, his issue was alcohol, and he was just trying to stay sober. And he'd do it for like three days, four days, but then he'd go right back to it. Well, finally, he prayed about it, and it clicked, and now I believe he just took his 90-day chip two wow. weeks ago. Amen. And it was such a blessing, and it's so wonderful to see that. It's so wonderful. And it just goes to show you can fall down – seven times and get right back up. Amen. Well said. As long as you stay on, as long as you stay on the journey towards Christ, I mentioned this last week is, you know, sometimes, you know, on your walk with God, you're going to stumble and fall. Sometimes you're going to get up and you're going to be limping. But as long as you keep going down that narrow path, you're going to be okay. Eventually.
1: Amen. Amen. Well said. So when does uh, the church, Hold uh, cr.
2: We hold cr on Monday nights, and we say you can come at six thirty because you can just sit around and talk and fellowship. And then seven o'clock is when the actual cr meeting begins. We always start off with some worship because we want to separate ourselves with we want to separate ourselves from AA because we want to celebrate and worship and praise our God because that's the reason why we're even here. So we start off with about 3 songs and then we also give after we do the worship we also read the 12 steps in the biblical comparisons or we also do the 8 principles of Celebrate Recovery it just depends on the week after we do that then we give out our announcements because we want people to not just go to CR we want them to get plugged in with the church and with God. And the only way to do that is to keep going to different things. So we mentioned all the different things. We have it at the cross church, our midweek service, our prayer night, our Bible studies, our Sunday service. And, and we've actually had a few people come to Sunday service and they've really gotten plugged in. And those are, those are good things. Those are all good things.
1: Amen. What's the address there?
2: The address is twenty one twelve South El Camino Real in Oceanside, amen. right off the freeway, the seventy eight freeway. If you get off at of El Camino Real, if you're coming from the beach, you turn left. So we're on the right side, right on the hill.
1: Amen, amen. Um, thank you. That's that's really some good information because there are a lot of people hurting. Hey, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam. Riojas, as we are currently, uh, have an interview with a a man of God. He's amazing. Pastor Chris Gray from At the Cross. And we just finished talking about Celebrate Recovery, which is also sanctioned by the, by the state courts. And you can actually get signed off if you wanted a, uh, biblically sound program. That the court will accept, um, you could get signed off for going, or if you just want to go and and get get some time to God and and to free yourself from what's holding you back, Pastor Chris. Uh, another thing that you do is um, the midweek service. Um, tell me a little bit about the midweek service.
2: So the midweek sur- <clears throat> excuse me, the midweek service is every Wednesday night, and we start at 6.30. Most of our nightly things during the week start at 7, but the midweek service starts at 6.30. It starts at 6.30. And we actually open up the midweek service with the same thing. We open up our Sunday service at our CR with worship and praise music. But what's special about Wednesdays is we actually have our children lead the worship. We have their children from our school, our Freedom Generation higher education school and we have other people uh, Phil who's a talented guitarist he's with them playing Kristen he's she's helping them with the singing even our elder David sometimes gets on the cajon and the djembe and plays the drums for him but we let the kids lead it and it's special it's special because we want to train our children up in the way that they should go so they won't depart from it in fact these last couple of weeks my messages have been about kids and in fact our last wednesday we had a special message and we had the kids usually the kids will go into their classroom after they sing and then the adults will get the message. Well, last week, we actually had the kids stay in the sanctuary, and we gave them a message and was based out of mark nine and it was about the story where Jesus was talking to the disciples because the disciples were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom and Jesus said, "The first will be last, and the last will be first, and they'll be servants of all and then he <clears throat> excuse me, and then he also said. Whoever does not take up his kingdom as a little child, whoever doesn't believe in him like a little child, is is not worthy. And I'm paraphrasing. I'm not giving you the exact verse, but I'm paraphrasing. And so we wanted to explain to the kids what that meant. And they got a lot out of it. And we also had cookies for them, and that's what they were also (laughs) happy about. Amen. Amen. I just want to, you know, when I do my messages on Wednesdays, I like to do a theme of some sort. In this past week, I actually went over the same chapter, but this time with the adults and, and looked at it from an adult perspective. And so, I mean, there's a lot of different things I do with my messages as far as the themes. We just came out of doing the armor of God and before we did the, the uh, fruits of the Spirit and... What else we've done? We've done the Minor Prophets. I like to just do themes and topics. That's kind of what I like to do. And when I get up there, I just pray that the Lord leads me wherever he wants to go. In fact, before I speak or say anything, I always pray, and I quote Psalm 1914, which is, May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable to your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And when I give those messages, I want it to hit home. Like I want them to not feel like that they were just sitting in the church just so they could say, Oh, I went to church. I want them to actually get something and be able to take it home. Amen. And you know, not every message hits home for every person. You know, you can't you're not gonna be able to knock out knock it out of the park as a pastor every time for every single person. But if you hit one person, if you change one person's life or one person's thinking or thought process. If you let them believe and got them more faith, then the whole thing was worth it.
1: Amen. You, you know, I honestly believe I've uh, in my lifetime I've heard many pastors that that do topical. I'm more chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and I've actually have never heard anybody um, as gifted as you are. And so I praise God for that and, and I really, you know, invite people to come when you're teaching because it's amazing. I know when you went through the through the gifts of the Spirit, you went through the Ten Commandments. I mean you've done an amazing, amazing job doing it. Um how did you how do you prep? I mean, a lot of times I see you almost write the whole sermon out. How do you prep?
2: Well I actually do write everything. I, I take the whole week and I usually write out almost everything that I want to say <laughs> because I'll always have these, these thoughts going through my brain during the week about the message. and I'm like, okay, I need to I want to make sure I say that. So I'll write down. In fact, I'm reading a book called On Being a Pastor and it's by a gentleman named Derek Prime and uh, a gentleman named Alistair and I'm blanking on his last name right now. But one of the things I just actually read about was that they said that in their first couple of years of being a pastor, even one said first five years, they wrote down every single word. Because I often wonder to myself, am I doing this right? Because I see you and I see other people, you know, no notes or memorizing everything. And I was like, man, should I be memorizing all this? But then when I read that, I felt a lot better about myself. You know, I've been doing this about two years now. We just crossed the two-year anniversary back in January, and I still have a lot to learn, but I'm very happy to be going in the route that other good pastors have gone. And so part of the week, you know, i am actually looking in like three Bibles. I'm looking online at commentaries. And so, you know, and even sometimes... While I'm doing my notes, I'll, something will pop into my head, something that's maybe even pop culture. I'm, I'm known for my analogies. You are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm known for my analogies or bringing a certain song into my message. But the reason why I do that is because a lot of people, you know, they don't spend a lot of time in the Bible. But for example, they do spend a lot of time listening to music. So if I can be able to say something all oh, this, Song is like, this is what I mean. When they said this, this is what this means here in the Bible. And all of a sudden, everybody's got the light bulbs on, like, ah. You know, and I've actually learned <laughs> as I've become more and more in-depth and become as a pastor, because when I first started I was just using all kinds of analogies and and movies. And one time I actually used a movie that I didn't even know was a bad movie. I just made one (laughs) reference of something good. And somebody said, well, you know, in this movie, this, this, and this happens. I was like, man, I don't even remember that (laughs) because it was some old movie. And I was like, I didn't even know. know, So I've been more mindful of, of how I do that now because I still have a learning process. And I still, you know, I'm learning under you and some of the other pastors and the elders. Uh, at at the cross church and i and I'm very blessed to be able to learn the things that I need to learn. God has presented this foundation for me so that I can be of great use to him, and whatever you're gonna have me do for the rest of my life, I'll always have this foundation that I learned here at, at the Cross Church and from you so but I say it like i, I go somewhere but you're never getting rid of me, so you all. <laughs> Yeah, I see. In my life, no, even if he said, go, go to Europe and teach something or something like that. I'll, I'll always be, Hey, Pastor Adam, guess what I have to do now? You Amen. Know? So, you
0: know,
2: Amen. I appreciate I, you. I know I what I, you do.
1: I, I am so honored. And, uh, and it's like my complete pleasure to be part of your life. Cause I see God doing a magnificent work in you. I know this weekend, um, you will be visiting another church to uh, visit one of our, our previous uh, uh, members and who interned at the church who is now at another church, and you're actually going to go visit him. So, you know, you're, you're amazing. Hey, I wanted to talk a little bit. I know we're getting short on our time, but I know you're writing a book. How is that going?
2: Well, yes, I'm writing a book. It's called Random Thoughts of an Innocent Felon and it basically chronicles the time that I spent while I was incarcerated for that crime I did not commit. And I mean, it talks about some things beforehand that happened and talks about things that happened once I got out. But for the most part, that's the crux of the story. And the reason for that is I learned so much during that time. I mean, God sat me down because before that, I wasn't paying that much attention or at least not enough attention to what God wanted me to do. And he'd be like, Hey, you know, Hey, Chris. And I said, hold on, God, let me finish this. Let me do this. And he's like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit you down here, which he did. And I was in that jail for 15 months. I always felt like I was going to get out, but I also knew that God wanted me there to learn something and I had my my abrupt come to Jesus moment very early in that time. But I learned a lot of different things, how to treat people, how to understand that not everything might, that everything's not at face value. You have to do some research, you know, because people can tell you anything. You know, I've often said that on the pulpit. I've said, you know, people can say anything if people believe you. And that's why it's important as a leader not to lead the path, not to lead the the sheep astray, not to leave the congregation astray. Because I can stand on the pulpit and say, man, it's a green sky outside. Somebody might say, praise the Lord, it's green. And that's not true. You know, it's very important to learn. And I even tell people, don't believe me <laughs> when I'm on the pulpit. And the people look at me crazy, like, what do you mean? Do the pastor. And what I mean by that is you need to go and, and do your research, read your word, make sure what is being said is accurate, because God is the truth. And Amen. in this book, you know, it's going to chronicle certain parts of it, like how I even started doing Bible studies and teachings was when I was in there. We had a pastor that was an inmate. He he was sent up to prison for twenty six years, and now we didn't have anybody do Bible studies.
1: Amen. Amen, Pastor Chris. <laughs> we yep. have a few minutes. Say something to the crowd before you leave. Oh, Amen.
2: I was- I was prepared for a wrap for a this time, so. Here I, we go. I was going to say something real quick. I said, We're sitting here on Cape praise like Jesus from the dead. We're trying to raise the spirit of believers. You know, Satan is a rival, and there's a battle, so we stay with the Bible and get the good word and tell people what we we'll heard so they don't get Woo! caught up with things so absurd, and they'll be in line with eternal salvation, and we're going to have revival all across the nation. Amen.
1: Amen. The Lord. amen and amen. Thank you. We love you, and God bless you right back.
0: board
3: Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through seventh grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at FreedomGenerationEDU.com or at TheCrossOceanside.com.
1: Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. As we now go into the favorite part of the show, um, today we'll, we will be coming out of Jeremiah chapter 3 and it's interesting because as we read this passage this this word that's in front of me it's amazing because it's speaking about Israel and we'll probably you will or and i will be clarified even deeper how god worked in the old testament how he works in the new testament and with that let's let's go right into his word it says this, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1. They say, if a man put away his wife, and she go from him, and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Now, As we begin to read this book, it's interesting because you got to look at this in a spiritual way and you got to see God doing an amazing work. When He is speaking to Israel, He's the husband, He's the one that's in control, He is the one that sets the rule. That's who God is. And we see here, that a a human, a man, um, as the law was given by Moses in Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 4, that if a man got divorced to his wife, and from his wife, and then got married again, he was not allowed to go back to his previous uh, wife, because it would be considered an abomination, and it would be The land would be polluted. It would be a filthy act. But in the same verse, we also see that he calls Israel a harlot, yet he's still calling her back. He still wants her back. See, what God did is that he was showing us what a relationship is with a husband and wife. And it's a mirror at how God has set up how he looks at us. He's the husband and we are the wife. It's the same way in the New Testament. But as we're in Isaiah, um, I'll skip over to Isaiah 54.5 and come right back. Isaiah 54.5 is this says this, For thy master is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of which the whole world shall be called. Now, Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-two says this, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. So God was married to Israel. God was married to Israel, and he gave us a spiritual application how Israel had now become a harlot and had walked away from God. But there was also a principle in this, is that a man could not divorce his wife, marry again, and expect to be back with his wife. But it shows you also the kindness and the goodness of God, because he's God. He sets the rule. He actually calls them back, calls Israel back. Now, verse 2 says this, Lift up thine eyes unto high places, and see where thou hast not been lean in the ways, thou sat for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Therefore the showers have been withheld, and there hath been no latter rain, and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed, will thou Thou not from this time cry unto me, my father, thou art the guide of my youth. He still, in his strong rebuke to Israel, to his wife, he is still saying, Won't you call back unto me? Won't you call unto me? Will thou not from this time cry unto me, my father, thou art the guide of my youth? He's asking Israel, will you not repent? Will you not call back unto me? Verse 5 of Jeremiah 3 says this, Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken, and evil things as thou couldst. Israel had gone so far into their sin. As we reach verse 6, The Lord said unto me in the days of Josiah, the king, has thou seen that which backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. A strong rebuke. You are a whore. You've you've left your first love. Verse 7 says this, And I said after she had done all these things, Turn thou unto me, God continues to say, "I still love you. Come back to me." After He had given a command to man, when Moses was given the law to His people in Deuteronomy twenty-one four, that if a man was married, divorced her and remarried, he could not go back to her. Right here we see the mercy of God. We see. Who sets the rules? And that is God. Come back to me as he calls Israel. Now, I love this because in the New Testament, we see that Jesus, and we'll read it, is is the groom and the church is the bride. You would think, wait a minute, is God a polygamist? Does he marry everybody he, he wants? No. God is not a polygamist. You need to remember that there are three in heaven that bear record. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. All three were present at creation. In the beginning, God, that word God is Elohim, which is a plural name for God. Later on when he creates man, he goes, let us make man in our image. In the image of God created he man. God is plural, yet he's singular because he's one God. It is without controversy. greatest is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in his spirit, seen of angels, preached on to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into heaven. Paul gives us these words in Timothy. But as we look at this, we will see that in the New Testament, Christ is the groom, the church is the wife. Now, in Daniel chapter 7, we see an amazing scene take place. Daniel sees the father. And he's sitting at his throne, and then the son of man, Jesus, is brought into his presence by the angels. It is magnificent. It is you see the father and the son there manifested in heaven. As that scene takes place that Daniel gives us. Yes, the father was married. To Israel, in the New Testament, Jesus is the groom, the church is the bride. And as we continue to read this, it says, And I said after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. Israel would not return, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw when for all the causes, thereby backsliding Israel, committed adultery I had put it away and given her a bill of divorce. You're like, wait a minute. God doesn't like divorce. He hates divorce. But as we continue to read, we see that God continues to call Israel his wife. She's just in horda. What God was doing is explaining to us the relationship that he has with Israel and how he views her. And the best way for him to show us was for him to be the husband and Israel to be the wife. And and as we continue, you'll see how this clears up. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all of this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but thinly, or within pretense, saith the Lord. Now, verse 11 says this, And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel has justified herself more than the treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, Saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to to fall upon you, for I am merciful," saith the Lord, "and I will not keep anger forever. Only in acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God, and have scattered." your ways to the strangers under every green tree, you have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. But look at 14, what it says, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. You would say, wait a minute, that doesn't make no sense. How can he still be married if in the earlier verse we saw how God gave her... A bill of divorce divorce in verse 8. It is simple. God is trying to give you and I a picture of man and in the relation between a wife and a husband. And the best way for him to do that for you and I is to show him as the husband that he is to Israel and say, I've divorced her. You're not to divorce and and go back to that same wife afterwards, but I'm God. I set the rule. It's like when people say, love is love. I can love how I want. Wait a minute. If you say you're a Christian, love is explained perfectly in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and the Bible says that God is love. He sets the rules. He sets the standard not you and I. God sees Israel as his backsliding wife. And at verse 14, it continues, For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. God loved Israel. Israel was set on this earth to glorify God, to give him glory in everything Israel Did Yet she decided to play the whoredom and take off. Now, in the New Testament, I want to make sure that both you and I can see that Scripture is very clear how Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. Again, God is not a polygamist. He didn't marry two wives. He had two different covenants. When we look at this, he had a covenant with Israel, got the Father, pulled him out, got the Father, led him. Yet, remember, Jesus is God, and he's never stopped being God. Now, in fact, in Isaiah chapter 40, when Isaiah speaks about John the Baptist setting the way for Jesus, he says, that Adonai he uses the word Adonai and he uses the word Jehovah Yahweh that this man John the Baptist would set the way for Jesus so even Jesus is called Yahweh he's God but it's they are the same in nature it's one God but they're distinct in their roles father son holy spirit not three gods but one God I I believe the Apostle Paul said it perfectly and without controversy. Greatest the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on to the Gentiles, received up into heaven itself. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, we see something pretty amazing, and he breaks it down for us. See, we're human. We're finite creatures, God is infinite, and the best way for us to understand the relationship that we have with Jesus with God is for him to give us this example in ephesians chapter five twenty two and if you just tuned in to the show right now, this is freedom with Adam Riojas as we are looking at how God is the husband, Jesus is the groom, the church is the bride, Israel was the wife in the Old Testament, God is not a polygamist, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but we see God work the same. In verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this, "'Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord.'" For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Wow! And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Now, a lot of people have a problem with that word church, because in the Old Testament, we need to clarify something. There are two words that are that mean assembly in the Greek language and and we can see that very clear when we read in hebrews chapter 12 verse 23 let me read that for you 12:23 says this to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, you see in that verse that assembly is used twice. Church means an assembly in a public place. It means that there's a gathering in a public place, but that word church is a pretty phenomenal word. It means ecclesia. The church means ecclesia, and when you look at the word, there's an etymology that is phenomenal when you look at it. It's a compound of two words, ek and And that's where we get the word ekklesia. And so that you understand it a little bit better, it's a preposition. Ek is a preposition. It's the primary preposition denoting origin the point whence action or motion proceeds from from out of place, time, or cause, literal or figurative, figuratively. It's an amazing word. Um, when you look at it compounded, um, also that same ek also means heartily, heavenly, hereby very highly in, It's just an incredible word, the etymology of it. Kaleo, which is the latter part where we get klesia, is is part of the etymology of the word, which means to call, to call out loud, to utter in a loud voice, to invite, to name by name, to give a name, to receive the name of, receive as a name. So it's an amazing word. Because when they translated the Old Testament, they used the same word uh, assembly in the Greek, but it it didn't mean this word that is used for the church. Ecclesia. In the Old Testament, they were they were considered an assembly as well. They were God's people, they were under a different covenant, they were married to the Father. In the New Testament, we see something phenomenal. The church is the bride, and Jesus is the groom. And as we continue to read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 says this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, and ecclesia, not having spot or or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord the church see so we see it in human terms a man should completely love his wife completely be able to give himself for her completely be able to guide her and that's how what we're called we're called the church the bride of christ and as we continue this, for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones For this cause, shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. The letter, the chapter ends. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband, that she reverence is Jesus. And the husband is to love his wife, to love Jesus. Now, I want to make sure that we are clear on this, because it's important for you and I to know the difference, to know that God is not a polygamist, to know that God was married to Israel, divorced her, but still considered considered Israel his wife. He still has a covenant. He's still calling them out from their sin he still has a plan for them. Israel is still very important to him, but the church now represents a multitude of people, Jewish, Gentiles of all nations coming together to be called the ekklesia. Remember ek means called out, heavenly with a name. Ecclesia means a gathering. And so we see that the church has the special name in Revelations 19, when Jesus comes back with the saints that He had already raptured, and we can see that in First Thessalonians chapter four, He comes back, and it is amazing when we read what is being set before Him, and this is what it says in. Chapter 19 of Revelation, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come. There's a consummation, there's a fulfillment of, of time, There's remember Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Now, everything and everybody is joined together. Remember, you could not enter into heaven without believing that Jesus is Lord, whether you're Jew or whether you're a Gentile. We now need Jesus and the bride, now, a combination of Israel, a combination of Gentiles has now come together after Jesus comes back in a white. Horse to set up his kingdom. It says, "Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready." That is the church. That is the Ecclesia, Ecc Heavenly by name, called out. Ecclesia means a public gathering. It is a combination of two words that makes the church. And it is amazing. And verse 8 of Revelations chapter 9 says this, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. What a beautiful scene that is taking place. The consummation of this amazing marriage is taking place now. And he said unto me, Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, that's Jews and Gentiles that make the church. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. This word is for you and I. This is for you and I to see how the old ties up with the new. You can't have a new testament without having an old testament. You can't put the Jewish people aside and say God is done with them because there's still a covenant with them. He married them. The father married them in the old testament. That is powerful and now the consummation of the marriage happens and it is a wonderful scene that takes place in Revelations chapter 19. And with that, my wife will close us in prayer.
0: Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you for your truth that we find in your word, Lord God. Thank you for covering us, Father, by Washing us in, in your word daily. And Father, we, we just come before you humbly and, and with many uh, thanksgivings, Lord God. We praise you, we thank you, and we give this day to you in Jesus' name.
1: We are so happy that you joined us today. And remember, we'll be back next Sunday at 5. But if today you decide that you want to be part of this marriage, cry to Jesus Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. I believe you died for my sins and rose on the third day. Some of you may have already given your life to Jesus that are listening today, and you're not listening by coincidence. If you are backsliding, if you are that whore that has left and walked away from Jesus Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day to come back. We love you. Jesus loves you. Thank you for tuning in. And we will graciously see you next Sunday and come visit us at At The Cross Oceanside. God bless you. We love you.
0: Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him. At freedom at AdamRiojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. org.
3: Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through seventh grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023, visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com
2: or at the cross